Hello and welcome from Good Shepherd Church of Camarillo. We're so glad you're with us. Here's today's message. Good morning. I have to admit to you, singing that song, well, trying to sing that song, um, yeah, Chad, I'm with you. It, it just brings you to tears. And uh, yeah, I really thank the worship team for, I don't know, just hit me like a rock this this morning just your your the not that you're not sincere other times but the just the sincerity of your worship this morning and the just the unity among you I could feel it I couldn't even sing I, I couldn't I couldn't even sing the words it's just getting to me so much and um yeah the Holy Spirit's here and working in us and it I think that's one of the things I want to get across in the message today about the Pharisee and the tax collector is that what this, what this song said, and I just want to ask the, the sound team, when I finish my message, I'd like to, instead of hearing me pray, I'd like to all of us sing that chorus of that song, All My Life You've Been Faithful, because it's exactly what, one of the things that really came out to me in this, in this text. Let me read this text to you from Luke 18, 9 to 14. The Pharisee and the tax collector. And Jesus also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all, I, all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Yeah, and, you know, just singing those worship songs right now, singing to God and about God, um, often you just, you feel exalted in worshiping, but not exalted yourself. You feel like, wow, I'm able to reach a whole other level of living when I worship God humbly. And that's, that's a lot of what I want to talk about today. Verse 9. Let's look at verse 9 in two parts. First part. Jesus is talking about some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Trusting in yourself, isn't that what the world says to do? That you can do it, and only you. I was able to succeed because I believed in myself. How many successful people have you heard say that? Sure, having confidence is a good thing. I'm not saying it's not. But this is beyond that, and really... It's really a subtle way of adoring yourself, whether you realize it or not. Um, sure, maybe you don't intend it that way, but over time, we might find ourselves saying this, if only more people were like me, or like us, you know? The club, whatever that is, one person or many persons. But if you look just a few verses later in this chapter, verse 17, Jesus tells his disciples to let the children come to him. Jesus says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. 
here, Jesus is talking about being fully dependent on God. Not, not being a child and childlike, but being fully dependent as a child is on their parents. We are the children of God, so we are to, need to be dependent on God. Um, trusting yourself, or even mostly in yourself, means you're not really trusting God. Because to really trust God, we need to let go and let him lead the lives he's given us, not the other way around. The second part of verse 9 talks about, and the Pharisee viewed others with contempt. Contempt, what does that mean? It means disrespect or a feeling of scorn or dislike towards someone or something. But why? The Pharisees were religious leaders, perfect in their eyes, because they followed the rules better than anyone, and so they considered themselves superior to everyone. But unfortunately, they just didn't feel this way and go off in solitude and act that way. They made sure that you saw them and judged everyone else in the process. When they went to the synagogue, they had to have the most prominent seats. When they tied, they made sure you were aware of it. In our times, have you ever been around somebody that that actually waits, like if you're in line and they paid and the, let's say you're at Starbucks and the person goes away and goes to make something and the person wants to tip, but they're waiting until the person who's making their coffee actually sees them tip. Is, isn't that similar? Um, and I have to say once in a while in my life, I've found myself even thinking that, wow, I want them to know that I was appreciative of that and I want them to see that I tipped and anyway, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> or like the person who wants to make sure that you know that they paid for the meal, not to let it be lost, that there's like 20 of you and, and they paid for the meal. That's a great thing, but again, uh, <laughs> verse 10, the two men, went, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. What a contrast in people. The Pharisee, prideful, self-proclaiming, self-righteous, and presumably representing God, but mostly concerned about himself. The tax collector, a traitor to his Jewish people, hated, looked down upon, even by the Romans he worked for. Can you imagine betraying your people, doing this job that I'm going to describe a little more in a second, being hated by them for very good reasons, and then being hated by the very people you're working for? <laughs> yeah. Um, a very, very confusing occupation. Uh, why so much hate toward a tax collector? I mean, the tax collector here in Ventura County, do you hate that person? I, I don't. I don't even have all these other feelings toward that person. But the reason they hated them was because they did more than collect taxes. They abused their position and said, oh, I have, I have the Roman authority behind me. They don't care. As long as I get their taxes, I actually can go further and do more. And so they would abuse their position and actually take more from their own people. Uh, so, yeah, they were, they were not liked at all. They were, they were, they were hated for, for obvious reasons. Um, so they were far more than traitors to their Jewish people. But think for a second, if the tax collector wasn't a Jew, how the Pharisees' contempt for the tax collector might be explainable. The Pharisee could say, hey, that guy's a pagan. He doesn't know God. But the tax collector was a Jew just like the Pharisee. He knew God. All those guys did. 
But even so, the Pharisee just dismisses the tax collector as if he doesn't matter. They were, yet they were both in the temple to pray. So let's go to verse 11 to see about their prayers. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Not only is the Pharisee being self-righteous, he, he's reminding God of all that he's done and the extra that he's done. Hey, God, just in case you didn't notice it, <laughs> this is what I've been doing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, doesn't God already know what we're thinking before we even say or do it? Also, the Pharisee thinks because he's praying, no one can hear him. So he's free to judge others and trample on their character. But again, God hears what we feel and think, not only what we actually say out loud. Just to show how silly the Pharisee is acting, let's imagine that once you thought something, you couldn't help it, and it would just come out, and everyone could hear what you were thinking, just like God already can. So we're going to do something really silly to illustrate this, because sometimes it takes, to make a point, you have to exaggerate it to its extreme to really show how silly it is or obvious it is. So in this case, I'm going to ask you to turn to the person next to you and say this to them. Well, at least I'm not as bad as you. <laughs> Just do it. Just try it. <laughs> so that A, doesn't it feel weird saying it out loud? And B, doesn't it feel weird actually looking at somebody in the face and confronting them with this? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I was advised that that might happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Call me if it caused problems. Uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to listen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, pretty silly. But we, do we need to say it to be like the Pharisee? Do, do we need to say that, especially out, out loud? No, just thinking it's enough. But the Pharisee actually does more than look down on the tax collector. He's also judging and condemning one of God's creations. But wait, God created each of us in his own image, right? The Pharisee was a religious leader, an expert in God's word and law. There's no way he couldn't have known that God created everyone in his image. Then how can the Pharisee put himself above another? So as followers of Jesus, when we find it okay in our own mind to think that well, at least I'm not like that Christian, that fallen Christian, or that fallen sports hero, or fill in the blank with whoever you want to say. Aren't we just like the Pharisee? I love Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Think about that fact. It's a fact. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. We are God's workmanship. Yes, we're all works in progress, but we are his workmanship. What does workmanship mean? That's a skill with which something is done or made. And I want to go to the slides now, so if you can pull up the first slide, please. So anybody familiar with this? This is a, a very focused, because, yeah, uh, yeah, what is it, Jeff? It's, yeah, La Sagrada Familia, it's a very famous cathedral in Barcelona, Spain. 
And it's so tall, I was trying to get the picture of the whole thing, but it's so tall, it really wouldn't do it justice on the screen. So I focused on a portion of it. This is above the entry. There's a whole tower, like five times as tall above it. But this is just above the entry. You can see how small the people are. And those carvings, that's, that's stone. And those are carvings. Um, in the Catholic faith, they use the Stations of the Cross, so it's to commemorate the actual path of Jesus when he went to the crucifixion and went to the cross. And so you see the, the top in the image. There he is, crucified. Well, if you follow that all the way down, it begins that whole episode of when he went to the crucifixion. So that, that is an incredible level of workmanship, right? Skill in carving stone and to tell the beautiful story of, of Jesus going to the cross for us. Um, so that's one level of, of workmanship and, and really amazing, um, either in a picture like this or if you've ever gotten to see it in person. Let's go to the next slide, please. Or, yeah, Irene, that's a car, and it's a very famous type of car. It's called a Ferrari. And um, any idea how much this beauty costs? It's very expensive, but can you put a price on it? Half a million. $500,000 for this thing. Yeah. So there's another level of workmanship. It's, you know, you see these things go around and they pull up to you if you're not, maybe not in Camarillo, but if you're in Westlake, you see them everywhere, right? And they pull up, they pull up to the intersection. No, seriously, in Westlake, you count the Range Rovers, the, the Ferraris, whatever. And, and this thing pulls up to you and you see the little yellow Ferrari with the little horse. You go, whoa, that, that's, that's an expensive car. Anyway, that's, that's an incredible level of workmanship. Or the next slide, uh, it's interior. It's like this cocoon of leather. Uh, yeah, whoa, it, that's right, Irene. And it's handmade. The whole car is handmade, and, and the inside is like a glove for your body. Yeah, yeah. Again, very, it's very easy to acknowledge the high level of workmanship, right? But as, as, the, um, as the songs were saying so strongly and beautifully this morning, <laughs> None of this matters. You can, you can take the slides away now. None of this matters because the workmanship with which we are created isn't even comparable to this. So if you love those, and I'm not saying it's wrong to love them, like, whoa, those are, the, the workmanship is awesome in them. That's, that's okay to admire it. But imagine the workmanship with which we are created. Those things don't even compare. They're not even on the same scale. Verse 13 but the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. This man's physical posture and the posture of his heart are completely different from the Pharisee. He can't look up because he knows and admits the truth about himself. He knows his weaknesses, as we all do when God takes us through the loving process, loving process of showing us our weaknesses, right? And he knows that God knows, <laughs> as opposed to the Pharisee who's saying, you know, when we embrace that God sees and knows everything about us and that he loves us and will never harm or leave us, we become completely open with nothing to hide and free. Like that first song, The Good, Good Father. Man, it, it, you, you, the words in that are just right on. That we have this heavenly father that, no, nothing could compare. 
Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And, and that's what's happening here. The tax collector differs from the Pharisee because he's saying, I got nothing. Here I am. I'm, I am who I am. I know who I am. I admit it. I'm sorry, God. I'm before you. I, I can't even look up. And I'm just humble before you. And God says, you're going to find me now. Verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. God loves us so much that he humbles us. Yeah, he could just love us and let us have our way, but how would that work? I'll show you an example. When I was about six or seven, my mom would send me to the corner market, less than two blocks away. Yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> I was, I'm 61, and when I was six or seven, literally my mom would send me. She'd say, oh, go get these things, go to the market. Um, but we lived in a super small town. <laughs> and my mom and dad knew the store owner very well, and um, you know, there was no worry about walking to the store. One day, I had a crazy idea of a Mother's Day gift for my mom, and it's crazy because I had no money at six or seven. So on one of those trips to the market, after I got all the things that my mom um, asked me to get, after I left the counter and said goodbye to the store owner and walked out the door, I took a bag of chocolates on the way out, hoping that nobody saw. <laughs> I thought I was pretty sly and, and hid it. I, sh I should replace the word took with stole, because that's really what it is, right? I stole it. Yeah, oh, that's right, Irene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hoping nobody saw. I got home with the things with my mom uh, that, that my mom had ordered for, for me, and, uh, and I presented the chocolates to her. And when she saw them, and, and I told her they were for me, for her, uh, she said, how did you buy them? And I gave several answers, lies really, <laughs> in the hope that my mom would just take the gift and let it go. And my dad wasn't home yet, if you're wondering why I haven't mentioned him. But she confronted me and loved me instead of letting me get away with it. She confronted me and asked me why I stole them instead of asking for the money in the first place. By the way, how did she find out besides knowing that I didn't have money? <laughs> Turns out Cookie, the store owner, called my mom on my way home. <laughs> the whole time I was thinking I got away with it. And um, no, it's a small town, everybody knew each other. And the store owner loved me too. Loved me enough to say, hey, he's, he went home and he's got this. And, and anyway, so uh, my mom said, or my parents said, um, return the, the chocolates. Go back to the store and return them. You had a part of a right idea, but it wasn't a good idea. So go back. So I'm a little kid <laughs> taking the box or bag of chocolates, crying <laughs> all the way back. <laughs> a small town, everybody sees it. So I don't know who saw it, but I'm sure a lot of people did. Walking past people's houses, crying, walking to the store, put the bag of chocolates on the counter, and uh, I returned them. And I haven't stolen or lied since. It was a long time ago but it affected the way I worked, the way I operated. 
and I was made to face the consequences. Sure, it could have been, could have been loving in the 21st century view to say, oh, what a great intent, oh, poor thing, oh, and just let me get away with it. And how might that have turned out? But my parents loved me and humbled me, and so did the store owner. As followers of Jesus, we still have to deal with the consequences of our actions. It doesn't, when we follow Jesus, it doesn't mean the consequences of our actions go away. Instead, no, he, he makes us deal with them, but through his love and through his grace, only because of that, and only because he paid the price that none of us can pay for that. And it's only because of our Heavenly Father's unending and immeasurable love for us through Jesus that we are able to humble ourselves and express his love, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I found in my life that when I am not humbled before God, it's impossible for me to express these things. It's impossible for me to express real love, real joy, real self-control. It's, it's impossible because I'm opposing God. I'm not letting him work through me and letting him express everything that he has for me. So finally, can we really receive any of these qualities when we act as the Pharisee and are not completely honest with ourselves and with God? No. And the proof is in how we feel and act throughout the day. When we humble ourselves like the tax collector, we see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We are then able to be exalted by God, and we truly feel alive. So again, instead of praying, I want to go back to the chorus of, of um, this, the song, and remember the, the last song that we sang, All My Life You've Been Faithful. And let's just, if you can put the words up on the screen, let's, let's just say them out loud if we, if we don't sing them. Let's just read them. All my life you have been, everyone, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. In the name of Jesus, amen.